0: you stand for just a moment, I just have three verses that I'm going to read to you out of the uh, number of verses that I put on the internet so that you could see what the message was about this morning, but we're talking about another generation, we're going to start in verse 10, and we'll go on through to verse 12, and I'll stop there, and we'll allude to the other verses within this chapter, chapter 2 of Judges, verse 10, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord anger. You may be seated. You know, we have another generation coming up behind us, and I often think about this. And what is the heritage that I'm going to leave behind? What am I going to leave for my own kids? What am I going to leave for the people that I've preached to for the last 22 years of my life? What What kind of heritage is left? And you know, I share this, that I do want to stand before God, and I do want to hear my Savior say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I really want to hear. You say, that is such a selfish thing. No, if I'm doing it in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not selfish at all. I want Jesus to be glorified. And I believe as we step out and we do these things, uh, the kind of heritage that we would leave would be a godly heritage, one that said, you know what? When, when my boys see my body laying in a casket, they said, my dad served God. I want that to be sad about me. Not just to say it, but I want them with all their heart to be able to say, my dad served God. That's what he did. He, he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've had these conversations with my boys many times. I look them straight in the eye and I said, listen, if you walk away from Jesus, you can count on having a disastrous life. But if you live for God, if you really live for him, you can count on, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee, amen? He's with you all the time. You can count on God. So when I look at this, in the days of Joshua, he served the Lord and it tells us the elders that outlived Joshua served the Lord. But we see another generation. If you just go back a few verses, and it says in verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border, in the inheritance in timnath eres in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash, and also another generation gathered under the fathers, and arose, there arose another generation. What happened between the time Joshua was on the scene in this verse? What happened is, I believe, when you go through the scriptures and you tie judges back into everything else that was taking on, the people of God stopped talking about what God did. <laughs> about who God is, about who he really is, not according to what the internet thinks, not according to what YouTube thinks, not according to what someone else said about the Bible, but we as a people have picked up the scriptures and said, this is God. And we know who he is based upon what his word tells us he is. So we must ask, what happened with this another generation that arose that did not know God? What caused that to develop And really, you say, well, it has to be outside of us. It has to be something outside of the church. It has to be something outside of us as Christians. It has to be something else. And yet the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the what? What happened? What happened in just another generation? What's going to happen to our nation if we continue to see this rebellion against God? Is that this other generation just a rebellious people? Or has it gotten to the place where the local New Testament church has quit teaching about sin and the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation to souls, and people need to come to Christ? Is that what's happened? Yes, because I go to churches all across the country and I'm learning more on financial seminars than I am on Christ Jesus sometimes. We forget who He is what he's done, and his purpose. God that brought them out of bondage (laughs) through the leader, Joshua, this next generation that outlived him, served him. And when you consider the heritage that you want left behind, or the legacy that you'd like written, what would you want the headline to read? (laughs) I read Joshua's headline, and Joshua served the Lord all the days of his life. I read the headline, and it says, Those that outlived Joshua served the Lord. But there was another generation that knew not God. And listen, folks, we are living in a generation that does not know God. And we're living in a nation that does not know God today. We have people in foreign countries coming to America to plant churches now because we have need of the gospel in the United States. And we were sending out missionaries all over the world and now other countries are sending missionaries back to the United States because they know not God. Every day I get a list of churches that are going out of business because people just want to stay home. They want to worship their own way. Yet God rebuked the nation of Israel for doing that. And I look to the scriptures and I see what would it say... ...about our church. What would the headline read for Calvary Chapel? Hey, what would the headline read for your household? What would it say about you? What would it say about your household? What would it say about how you're serving God? What would it say about the effect or the impact... ...you're having on another generation? What would it say? How would the headline read? The generation behind us... ...what they do know about God... Well, preacher, you got to understand that's just not our responsibility. I want to read a passage to you out of Isaiah that just contradicts that statement completely and totally. In Isaiah chapter fifty-eight and verse twelve, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths to dwell in. And folks, that is the responsibility of Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minster, Ohio. We have the responsibility to be the repairers of the breach, the restorers of the paths to dwell in, that many generations after us know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're getting ready in July to celebrate 50th, the 50th anniversary of this church. Amen. That's exciting, isn't it? How many of you have seen the kitchen back there? It looks good. Looks really good. you got to go back and take a look at it. 50 years is just very fleeting. How many of you agree with that with me today, right? I'm 54, man. Boom. And the thing of it is, 50-year history. How many of you would like to say, you know what? It would be great to have a 100th-year anniversary, amen, if the Lord should tarry? 150th anniversary if the Lord should tarry. 200th anniversary if the Lord should tarry. Why? because there are people who taught the next generation. Amen? Would another generation rise behind us knowing the Lord? Would another generation grow up behind us understanding the consequences of not knowing God? Would another generation growing up behind us just be a bunch of stubborn people? Would another generation grow up behind us and be able to withstand the test? And continue to serve God regardless of what takes place. You know, I thought about those things, Bill, as I put this together. It just, it baffles me as to where people are today in their relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know He knows me, but do I know Him? And you say, well, if you're saved, you know Him. I understand that. But what kind of relationship do you really have with Jesus Christ as as a child of God? Well... We get exposed to what happened here to this generation. One of the things is, is there's no knowledge of God. (laughs) Something happened between Joshua and this time. If you read it, it said, and also that generation after their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the, what? Lord, they didn't know God. They don't know him. Preacher, that is somebody else's fault. That is somebody else's responsibility. That happened because... Because the Democrats were in office for eight years. Because the Republicans were in office for eight years prior to that. Because we had this in Congress or that in Congress. Or because this law was passed or that law was passed. Because we're aborting babies. Because we don't value life anymore. And I want to tell you, that all comes as a result of not talking about who Jesus Christ is. For we all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? (laughs) When I look in here at this no knowledge of God, if you will look at verses 7 through 13, in verse 13 he says, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And you go back and you find out who Baal and Ashtoreth are in verse 13 and you find out there's a group of people that went into a land that Joshua took them into and instead of wiping them out completely and getting those gods out of their lives, they began to serve the gods of those people that were in those lands. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of Christians... That are serving the gods of this land. Hey, listen, we serve the Cleveland Browns more than we do serve the Lord our God sometimes. We serve teams and, and idols and rock stars and, and country stars and rap stars and, and we serve all these things and we wonder why the generation coming up behind us knoweth not God. Because we're so busy serving so many things, so other gods, so many other gods we forget who God is and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5:10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto the, his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he has suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The Bible in its entirety is so relevant to us as believers in our day and in our age. There must be an understanding of the God that we serve. There's people out there teaching that the whole Bible is not important to us, that we only need to pay attention to certain portions of scriptures. And yet, when I read the Bible, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen? Amen? And yet we want to do away with portions of it because we don't like what it says. We don't like what he told us. We don't like what he shares with us. However, even in the age of grace, we must also understand there's a day of judgment coming, isn't there? How many of you understand there's a day of judgment coming? And that day of judgment, not a single solitary person sitting in this room today or this man standing before you will escape the day of judgment. And I have either done things in the name of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, or my works or wood, hay, and stubble, or their precious gold and silver and stone. It has nothing to do with whether I get saved or not, but so great a salvation has he unto us, and what am I doing with it? Listen, there is not a single solitary person sitting in this room today that should not be serving God in some capacity. And not so that pastor knows, but so that God and you are walking together and he's guiding your life and telling you what he expects of you. <laughs> That's what should be happening with another generation. (laughs) Hey, Bill, these pews should be filled because we're hitting doors and telling people about Jesus Christ. If every one of you in here this week would just take 10 door hangers, 10, it would take you 10 minutes to put 10 of those out. But if every person sitting in here today took 10 of those door hangers and hung it on 10 doors, are you with me? We might reach 500 people next week. Just putting out 10. And you don't have to come back and say, Pastor, guess what I did? It's between you and who? God. It's between you and the Lord. You know, I want to turn to some passages, and I I need to read these to you. I have to today. You need to go to 2 Peter with me, if you will. And I want you to look at these verses with me in 2 Peter. Look at chapter 3 of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. How many of you believe that today? Amen. God's not slack. He's not not quitting. As some men count slackness, but as long as suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Now look at me for just a moment. The victory gospel crusade that we're doing here, this has been such a grassroots effort. I cannot believe that God allowed nine independent fundamental Baptist churches, first of all, to come together and work together. That's the first thing I'm baffled by. Number two We're not talking about playing games here. We're talking about reaching people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And there is nothing I want to see more than revival to start in Midwestern Ohio right now. And I believe, folks, with all of my heart, God brought me here for one purpose, and that is to see revival come to this area. And I believe he wants revival to come to Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. I have met with God alone, and I have asked him, Lord, what is it that you want of me? And I am so grateful that God brought me here. (laughs) But God desires to see people get saved. (laughs) And it doesn't matter what their religious background is. It doesn't matter whether they're atheists or agnostic or Buddha or whether they came from Joseph Smith or whomever they want to come from, from Buddha himself. Hey, listen, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, saves souls. Amen? Amen? And we have been placed in Minster, Ohio, that we might see people come to Christ. And it doesn't matter whether they're an alcoholic, a heroin addict, a meth addict, it doesn't matter whether they live in this mansion over here in Fort Loramie, or it doesn't matter whether they have a, a job at Crown and they have some title that somebody gave to them, it doesn't matter whether it's the mayor of this community, or the mayor of New Bremen, or the mayor of New Knoxville, it doesn't matter who the person is. Jesus Christ wants us to lead people to Christ and he has placed Calvary Chapel here for that express purpose 50 years ago. And that's the purpose of the church. And all of us should be excited about this. All of us should have a desire in our heart to see God start to make a work happen right here inside Calvary Chapel. Not so you can say, you know how many we had seated on Sunday morning? That's insignificant to God. What matters to God is the hearts of people serving a holy, righteous God. That's what matters to Him. And we need to raise up a generation. We need a heritage coming up behind us that knows the Lord. And we won't have to say, not a generation that knoweth not God, but we have a generation that knows God. And when I go to the scriptures, he said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. You ask me, do you believe in global warming? Yes, I do. It's going to happen. And you can listen to the scientists, or you can listen to God, but everything that this earth possesses will be gone one day. And the politicians aren't going to change a thing. Because God told me how it's all going to end right here in that passage, didn't he? And it's going to burn with a fervent heat. He goes on to say, in verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That word conversation, what kind of life and lifestyle should you be leading? Knowing that all this stuff that we possess by the way it's going to be somebody else's one day if the lord should tarry <laughs> and then if he not it's going to be burned with a fervent heat so no matter how many benjamin franklins you own they're going to burn with a fervent heat amen and it doesn't matter how much money's in the new york stock exchange or how well the nasdaq's doing or how well my uh, 401k's doing what's going to matter is how many souls have you led to christ How many people have you told about Jesus? How many people have you influenced for Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, we need a nation that knows God, not a nation that does not. The Bible in its entirety is preached and taught to the next generation so that they know God. They know his wonderful works. Go back to uh, Judges, and then I want you to look in Joshua once you get back to Judges. I want you to then turn to Joshua 23, 14, and 15. I want you to see these two verses. I want you to understand that God appointed Joshua to this this task. God appointed this man to lead these people. God appointed this man to go into this land. God appointed this man to teach them about uh, uh, God himself and what happened is is Joshua himself knew who God was and the people that outlived Joshua knew who God was but there is another generation folks that knoweth not God and we are living in those days right now and we have a generation that knoweth not God and they're coming up behind us. And they are not concerned about God. They are not concerned about their soul. They're not concerned about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility as a local New Testament church to make that message be heard. We can have as many programs as we want. We can do as many things as we want. We can ask, sing as many glowing songs as you want. We can play as many glowing songs as you want on the piano. But I'm here to tell you, if we know not Christ, it is worthless. And God will bring all of that together in his time. Joshua 23. How many of you are with me? Joshua 23. Say amen. Look at verses 14 and 15. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass. You ought to underline that in your Bible. All are come to what? past God is a God of promises and a promise keeper and he says and all have come to pass unto you and and not one thing hath failed thereof so if all things have come to pass and nothing has failed God must be a God of his word amen and he goes on and he says this therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you which the Lord your God promised you so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until ye have destroyed you from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. I want you to know that God is a God of all his, what, promises. If you, listen to me now. If you go back and read the start of Judges, there was a covenant made between God and the nation of Israel. God didn't break his covenant. Israel did. The church better not break the covenant that we have with God. Amen. We better keep what God has given unto us or we're going to lose it. And what happens is, you look at this, and the steps of another generation can lead down a path of destruction if we do not teach that generation, if we do not preach truth. Listen to me Israel is our example. They are an example of not knowing God. And for years, they went into captivity, and for years, they were under these judges, and for years, these things took place. And why? Because they knew not God, they didn't know Him. And so these things happened. One of the things I want to challenge you with, there are many who spend a lifetime trying to chase down other doctrines. They spend a lifetime trying to teach, uh, trying to find some other teaching and all that stuff. And listen, folks, I am not an independent fundamental Baptist because anybody told me I had to be. I simply read the Bible. And I started going to churches of all types and kinds. And the one thing I knew, Mrs. Fisher's, when I walked through the door of an independent fundamental Baptist church is when they opened the scriptures, they were preaching from the Bible. And it caused me to read the Bible. The biggest problem we have in our homes today is men are not reading the Bible themselves, nor are they reading it to their family, nor are they teaching it to their children. And listen, in Deuteronomy, he tells us that is our responsibility, men, And you say, well, my wife and I, it's only my wife and I. Man, you need to be in your Bible every day. And you need to be talking with your wife about the scriptures. You need to be talking about Jesus Christ to your family and to your kids. You need to challenge that. And don't be afraid to challenge or influence people for Jesus Christ. You know what it is? Timothy brings it up. Paul writing a letter to Timothy. And Paul says it this way to Timothy, he says, listen, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're always looking for something and never really listening, they're just always looking for something. I think that's why we have so many alcoholics in the world, because they're always looking for a good time, and they think it's at the end of that bottle and there's nothing left, and they have to pick up another one and do it again, because there's nothing in that bottle that's going to bring anything to them. And instead of searching all over the place, pick up your Bible and read it. (laughs) Read the scriptures. Read what the Bible has to say. I didn't say, go find out what 10 other people had to say about what God's word says. I said, pick up the Bible and read it. Read what God said. Find out who he is. (laughs) Because we're ending up in our nation with a generation that knoweth not God. That it has to be somebody else's fault. It's the church's fault. It was the preachers that we had, Pastor. It was somebody. Somebody's at fault for this. It can't be. Yet there's a generation that knoweth not God. What about us today? So, what happened? Well, here's what happened when you go back to Judges. What did they do? Well, they did evil. That word evil is wickedness against each other and against God. Listen to me. They did wickedness against each other and against God. How many of you see that in the news headlines today? They're doing evil against what? Go ahead, you say it out loud. They're doing evil against what? Each other and against who? How many things do you sit down and watch and they blaspheme the name of Christ? They blaspheme the name of God. And it's over and over and over. And we have a people and we have Christians that are being indoctrinated with the ways of the world and the thoughts of the world and the things that the world is doing. And they did evil, wickedness against each other, against God. They forsook the Lord. What happened is, is God's people divorced him. God's people left God. Remember in the New Testament it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll do what? So who left? God or God's people? God's people are walking away in droves. And we need to see that turn around. (laughs) They followed other gods. The result of divorcing God is they chased after other gods. What do divorced men normally do? Chase after other what? Go ahead and say it. So if you divorce God, the only thing you're going to do is start chasing other what? You're going to divorce the one who loves you to chase down ones who don't. You're going to have to try to please them. Provoke the Lord to anger is what it says because of the covenant relationship. By the way, a covenant is not a contract. That's what people enter into today all the time. I I do marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And when I sit down with people, the thing that I hear the most is, is we're going to do a prenuptial agreement. You know what that means? I got a contract with this person, not a covenant relationship. They got their bank account, I got my bank account. That way when we decide that this isn't working anymore, they can go do whatever they want and I can go do whatever I want. And they got their account and I got my account. <laughs> and when they're there, Ms. Fisher, I just tell them, I can't counsel you. I can't counsel you. I can't help you. I can't help you enter into a contract. I can help you enter into a covenant relationship, amen? That's what I can help you do. Because that's what the Bible teaches. They had a covenant relationship with God, not a contract. They served Baal and Ashtaroth, the names uh, of all those given whom by the, they went a whoring after in the day. And listen, there's a lot of people whoring after a lot of things today. They're going after Muslims, are they not? They're going after Allah. They're going after Buddha. They're going after Joseph Smith. They're going after Peter Ruckman. They're going after Joel Osteen. They're going after some name rather than going after the name Jesus Christ. (laughs) They're hunting something down. They're looking for something, and yet God says, I've been here all the while. I must be willing to teach another generation to rise up behind us that they know God. By the way, folks, foolishness leads to an undesirable outcome. And we find it right here in the passages. In in verses uh, 14 and 17 through 18, in this particular uh, uh, set of passages, he said in verse 18, And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was... With the judge and deliver them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judges. For it repented to the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And here's the thing God rose up these judges to try to help them. In the latter part of verse 17, he says, Here's what they did. But they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them, and they turned quickly out of the way in which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. They didn't do it anymore. They didn't teach their kids to pray. They didn't teach their kids to understand and know who God is. They didn't have them right on the frontlets of their, of their mind. They didn't have them to put them through their house. They didn't have the dad sitting down with the child and opening up the Bible and begin reading to them the scriptures. And that's the problem we have in our homes today. There is nothing wrong with the institution of a husband-wife marriage. The problem that we have is that God's been taken out of it. Just like we're so concerned that God's been taken out of government, and we're so concerned that God's been taken out of the schools, I am more concerned that God's been taken out of our homes than anything, because if he was in our homes, he would be in our schools and he would be in our government. And the problem that we have is we're not teaching God at home anymore. When you leave here today, you're going to be more concerned about what you put in your belly and what game is coming on TV or when the March Madness is going to start more so. than what do we learn today about who God is? (laughs) Consequences. The actions of the Lord is never wrong. How many of you know that? (laughs) You go back and you look at this. Look at verse 1. And it says in the latter part of verse 1, I said, I will never break my covenant with who? You. By the way, God will not turn his back on those that have trusted him as Savior. Heaven is your home. (laughs) Amen? Amen. But do we have any responsibility at all after that? (laughs) So what happened? Well, the result was hot anger. they did not so the result was this he delivered them to the spoilers to the enemy the result was this the hand of the lord was against them the result was great distress in the lives of the people the result was his lord why have you let this happen to us you see when god gets our attention we wonder what went wrong but the whole time that he was trying to have a relationship with you, you were abandoning him and divorcing him and going your own way and serving Baal and Ashtaroth and all these other things, and you have forgotten God. And God said, "Where are you?" And then when the hand of God comes up against us and He says, "I miss my children. I have to do something. I have to correct them." How many of you would say, "My kids love it when I correct them. They can't stand it when we correct them." But the fact is, is even God has to correct His own children, doesn't He? He has to bring us to the place where he corrects us. In the midst of all of this, we see the mercy of God. Verse 17. And yet they would not hearken unto the judges, but they went whoring They went after other gods. And I looked at this. It says in verse 19... Or verse 18, he said, And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge. And he delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. That's the mercy of God, isn't it? What did God do? He delivered them from their problems, didn't he? When the judge came on the scene and he said, Listen, this is what we need to do, and they listened, God delivered them out of the hand. But watch this. It says in verse 18, He delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and did what? Corrupted themselves. As soon as the authority is gone, what happens? A child left to his own bringeth his mother to what? A child left to his own bringeth his mother to what? I'm going to tell you, men, your children that are left to their own, to do their own thing their own way, you're going to have some troubles. You're going to bring that household to shame because you're not willing to correct. Because you're afraid of what the relationship might turn into because I had to correct my child. Because I had to tell them what was right. God sends messengers. He sends pastors and teachers and evangelists to local churches, which Christ established. And men become rebellious against God to that establishment. And they want to walk in their own religion. They, They want to come up with their own religion. They want to come up with their own way of worshiping God. They want to come up with their own set of circumstances. They want to come up with their own church home. They want to come up with all these things and don't want to pay attention to what God said about how things are to be done. I want to do it my own way. Does that not remind you of a rebellious child in your own home? You have that little kid that just sits there and pitches a fit because they want their own what? Way. And we say, you can't have your own way. And and we're going to do it this way. And here are the laws. Here are the rules. Here's how we're going to do this. And and you say, well, it's just a little too harsh for them. It's a little too hard for them. We're going to back off and let them have their own way. And when you do, that's when the trouble begins. And I read the Bible. <laughs> the last time I read it, it said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is... The only way you're going to correct the situation is through the word of God. <laughs> Revelation 19, 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. <laughs> And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. I want to tell you, if you want to judge your home, judge it according to the Scriptures, not what your neighbors are doing and someone else in this church is doing. Judge it according to what the Word of God says. (laughs) Because he's the righteous judge. And regardless if another generation wants to listen or does not want to listen, the fact is is we have a responsibility to witness to them. Folks, I have two more points to this message. I'm not going to bring them today. I'm going to bring them tonight if you want to know the rest of the message, I want to encourage you to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to read a set of passages to you, and I will end in a word of prayer. But I want to challenge you to be back in the house of God tonight. God's just impressed upon my heart that I need to bring this to this group of people that's sitting in this room right now. I want to encourage every one of you to be back tonight. Let me read this to you. Let's go to the New Testament here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're with me, say amen. Look with me at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. What is it? But unto us which are saved, it is the what? Look at me. How many of you believe that this morning? Amen. You say, Pastor's been preaching like a fool today. Amen. I hope God's pleased. But I want you to see this verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Look at verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the what? <laughs> Wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. What is the reason that the world knew not God? What is the reason that the world knew not God? The wisdom of what? The wisdom of men. Why did men not know God? Because of the wisdom of whom? Men. He said, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He goes on in verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. How many of you know people like that? I just need a sign. I just need to know. I just need to see this. I just need to see that. I want this. I want that from God. I want God to show me. I want him to demonstrate this to me. Then I'll do this for God. It's like the Greeks and the Jews of the past, isn't it? Show me a sign, Lord. Give me a sign. Give me this. Give me that. Give me that. Show me this, Lord. Then I'll serve you, God. And yet he said, by the foolishness of preaching, will men come to their senses. By the foolishness of preaching, will men understand the wisdom of God. By the foolishness of preaching men will come to the place where they say, that's who God is. (laughs) And you look at this in verse 23. He said, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block. (laughs) And believe me, folks, that's still today. I have friends that are over in Israel preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a stumbling block to the Jews. (laughs) They have a hard time believing that Jesus Christ can save their soul from an eternal hell. They'll tell you they're going to heaven because they're Jewish and you can't find that in the Bible. You can only find in the Bible they're going to heaven just like everybody else because they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Amen. amen? It's a stumbling block to them. Now watch this. And unto the Greeks, foolishness, both unto them which were called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is greater or stronger than men. I want you to understand this thought this morning. There's another generation coming up behind us that knows not God. And we, Calvary Chapel Baptist Church, the men that are in this room this morning, that are in your homes, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they have a responsibility to hear from you about who Jesus Christ is.